0: KYW original podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon and this is one-on-one. On One.
1: You know, at the time, we this is really silly, but we just put something in the locker room and I, I stole my kids Legos from home and just said, hey, we're just like building this. Like, let's just put the foundation together and we're going to build a house, you know, and so we had this big box of Legos in there, and just every day they'd add one or two and kept us like, hey, look, we're not supposed
0: to be great yet. We're not going to be Elite Eight. We're just getting better. And our guest this week, Swarthmore men's basketball coach Landry Kozmolski in his eighth season at the helm of the program. Took him to the national championship game last year, and as we are speaking at the end of December, they are the number one team in the country in Division Three. Coach, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me eighth year in the program if i talk to you the day before you take you accept the job would you have thought what you've been able to do possible or is this pretty much you were confident that given the right tools you could have success like you've been able to experience here
1: definitely thought we could get better um i think we had big goals coming in i wouldn't have been able to guess when or how we got to the point we are now but definitely was optimistic coming in that we could uh, build something special
0: so basketball has been a part of your life forever your dad played at Tennessee right you got a, a brother that that played you played at Davidson what's your earliest basketball memory
1: uh, I remember playing uh you know kindergarten YMCA where you know if you hit the rim it was a point <laughs> uh that that's what I remember first and then it just kind of kept going kept progressing
0: Was it always the plan? Like, did you know at a young age that basketball was going to be something you were going to pursue one way or another?
1: I I always liked it. I mean, I played a lot of sports growing up, you know, football, baseball. I mean, coming from Texas, you kind of have to play football. Um, Played a little soccer. So I just really liked being uh, outside, being active. And then, yeah, as you get older, you know, ninth grade, kind of decided basketball was what I liked the best and kind of took it from there, but no pressure from my dad to do so. I just, that was my own choice.
0: Ninth grade, you said you liked it the best. Was there a point when you started to realize that in addition to liking it, you were pretty good and you were, you know, better than most of the kids you were playing with? Or does that light not click that early?
1: I I do remember uh, ninth grade uh, getting, you know, kind of, uh, uh, having an experience that kind of dialed me in where, you know, I stopped, playing the other sports and I, I was a point guard actually in eighth grade and then I grew you know four inches and all of a sudden I was a five man um, and, and having a pretty good game over Christmas break or something and just being really you know liking that feeling of hey I've worked at this and I've gotten better and I, I think I can be pretty good so yeah there was a little bit of a light
0: bulb going off I would say ninth grade you go to Davidson to play your college ball mm-hmm. what led you there what what, what what closed the deal that you were going to go there
1: um Well, you know, a story I always tell um, prospects because sometimes it's a it's a really hard time when you're trying to make that decision and you don't have any experience doing it, and especially I think as a young male, you feel like you have all the answers when you really you know nothing. Um, And I remember coming back, and I had one of these last AU tournaments back then. It was like August, and uh, driving back from, my parents were peppering me with questions about what I was going to do, and you know, being a you know sixteen, seventeen year old. Adolescent, I just said, I, know, I don't ask me more questions. I'm not going to decide till the spring because I don't like my options. Well, you know, four weeks later, Coach McKillop uh, comes to our house. Um, a few other Ivy schools came to the house, but uh, Coach was really impressive. You know, two weeks later, I visited Davidson and I committed. So six weeks after this, you know, drawing a line in the sand, all of a sudden I'm going to Davidson. <laughs> and you had success pretty much right away there, didn't you? I had a good freshman year, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that was we were <laughs> – didn't have a lot of guys. Uh, they graduated uh, five before I came in, and then one guy transferred out. So all of a sudden, we were playing seven guys. And I was fortunate enough to start as a freshman. had a had a good freshman year, and um, yeah, and then you know, dipped a little as a sophomore. But overall, I think had a pretty pretty positive career there.
0: Well, he made the Davidson Hall of Fame, so he must have made an <laughs> impact on somebody. <laughs>
1: you know, I, I think that was uh, when I made it. I was more shocked than anyone because I, you know, I think a lot of times you're your own worst critic, and I thought you know my career at Davidson was good, but I wish it had been better, or I thought it could have been better, knowing what I know now. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think great career, played with some great guys, and Coach McKillop is you know was lucky to be taught by him. He's one of the best in the
0: business. What did you take from him? Because he is, I mean, approaching six hundred wins, he's been an institution there.
1: I, I was talking to someone about this yesterday. Uh, it's really hard to describe what he's like. Um, you know, will power-wise, he you know he's going to go without sleep or food, or you know, figure out ways against more talented teams. He's just always going to find a way. I mean, every single day he's like that. He's never turned off, um, never burnt out. No, I mean, just he's always got the will. Um, and then he's also just got this amazing attention to detail. You know, he really teaches you all the little things of the game. Um, you know, all the organizational pieces uh, all the intangibles and so you put all that together and all of a sudden the product is you know better than people expected. he does that year after year so that's what you learn as a player like kind of taking advantage of some of those little things and then again when you learn to be a coach under him same thing I mean we you know design our practices and do a lot of the same things have a lot of the same lingo that he does because he's a, a master
0: was coaching always on your radar or was it something playing for him sort of lit that fire and pushed you in that direction? Um, You know,
1: my mom would probably tell you I thought I would coach in high school. I don't really remember feeling that way. I think uh, my last year playing overseas, I played four years, and the first three in Sweden, and then then when I was in France, I was in a smaller town, had a lot of time to myself. Um, You know, you start thinking about the next step. I kind of knew it was my last year just because my knees were not allowing me to do what I wanted, and um, so – You start thinking about it, and I started getting really excited about coaching. And um, fortunately, you know, at that point, there was a spot on the Davidson staff when I came back, you know, 26 years old, um, and then just kind of went from there.
0: During your playing career, I think you guys went to the NCAA tournament in '98, if I'm correct. Correct. You you played Michigan, right? We did. Yeah. What was that experience like? Not just the game, but everything that. That goes into making seeing your name on the line and and that week leading up to the game.
1: You know, I, people ask that a lot, and I it, it was um, we were so excited to get there because it had been a long time since David hasn't been in the NCAA tournament. So and Coach McKillop, it was his first trip. It was my sophomore year, and I think our team was so we had good leadership um, and we were so grounded that we thought, hey, let's just keep doing what we do. Um, but never having been there before, I remember we felt very normal. At least this was me until we ran out for the game and the light bulbs are popping and, you know, there's the atmosphere. We were in the Georgia Dome and um, it was uh, all of a sudden you're just kind of shell shocked. You know, it's that electric of an environment. Uh, so I think you have to go through it once because then going back as a coach, you're like, hey, we just have to keep doing our thing. Right. And, but that first time as a player, you know, 19, 20 years old, it's, uh, it's just it's so electric that it does affect you. If you're not
0: ready for it, do you remember how long did it take you to settle into that game? Given that
1: I would say the second half. I remember that we were down probably you know 15 at the half, but then we played better in the second half. Ended up losing, I think, by like you know 18 20. Uh, but the, you know, people who are our age will remember you know the guys on that team. that was when they were really good. It was after the after the fat five. five, but still you know like Maceo Baston, a guy I actually played against in high school in Dallas. Um, you know, tractor trailer. Lewis Bullock. I mean, this, they were. They had. A, was it Robbie Reed? Uh, mm-hmm. The Reed brothers. They, they were loaded. They were really good. Um, so it was, you know, great team to play against. We were just, you know, weren't quite ready for that level at the time.
0: So you mentioned played overseas in Europe. What was the experience like? Was it overwhelmingly positive? Do you have stories from that time of uh, that it could only happen being a an American basketball player playing overseas? Uh,
1: definitely positive. Uh, probably won't. Probably the best experience of my life. And I think, you know, when I first got back into coaching, I was a little envious of some of the younger guys my age that were, you know, getting some head coaching jobs when they're 30. Um, And I thought, you know, maybe those four years set me back. But now down the road I see, like, those four years have helped me as a coach tremendously, you know, just adding to perspective. And I learned from a lot of different coaches. And um, it just gives you a perspective you, you can't have if you don't live in another country. So um, I was—I feel really fortunate to have had the opportunity, especially Sweden. I mean, I have great friends there. It was, my plan was to go back and live there. It's that kind of place. It's really special. Um, so uh, that was definitely overwhelmingly positive. What was the quality of basketball like? Sweden's—you uh, know—middle of the road for Europe. Um, not great, not terrible. Uh, really good for me and my talent level. I was able to be successful, and um, it, it was just right for me. Although at the time, you know, I wanted to be in Spain, Italy, like
0: everybody else. Any, I talked to guys that have played overseas, not specifically Sweden, but just in general. And you hear stories of, you know, well, I had to hurry to the bank to get make sure the checks cashed. Do so yeah. you have any of those or was it a pretty much professional and, you know, yeah.
1: no, not definitely not in Sweden, not in France. France is very by the book. There are some countries that are a little looser. Right. With that. I've had some friends play, but no, not, uh, not the two places I was.
0: All right, so you come back, assistant coach at your alma mater. Mm. Uh, what was that like? And what was the experience of learning what it takes to coach at the Division One level like?
1: Well, you know, you come in as a former player and you think you know everything. You're like, yeah, I figured this stuff out as a player, but coaching is a whole other animal. Um, I, I was, it was a great experience because my first year coaching, my brother was a senior there, so I got okay. to coach my brother which was great because we always missed each other. We didn't get to play with each other four years apart. Uh, so just having a year with him was great. Um, had a really great year undefeated in conference. Um, ended up losing in our conference tournament. But we went to the NIT and went you know, to the third round. So really good first experience. And, yeah, I was learning you know, 10, 20 things every day. Um, and then the next year we were really good, did go to the NCAA tournament. So the first two years uh, there were really positive, a lot of success. Um, learned a lot
0: how difficult was it to learn how to recruit
1: you know it was difficult Uh, I would say too. coach McKillop doesn't he's not someone who uh you know kind of walks you through it he just like just kind of figured out um which I think which which I'm glad he did you know I figured out on my own I think you know early on you're like looking at all the Recruiting reports and your circling names and your cold calling, and then you know a light bulb goes off. And probably wasn't even till my third or fourth year I was there. Which when I came back for my second stint, um, where you say this is this is more about relationships and who I know. And um, once you have a, an experience or two like that, then you realize how to really recruit. So I would say it took me four or five years to figure that out. Um, but that that's. And, and I mean, I'll tell you a story about that. We we lost a kid who, you know, it happens at Davidson, doesn't happen in other schools, but he didn't get into school. He was one of our big right. recruits. I remember a coach coming down and saying, you know, this is, you know, really bad for this kid. It's tough for us. We have to find someone. You know, this is late. This is like March. <laughs> um, and to find someone good that time is tough. So uh, I, I had learned by then, you know, it isn't about, um, you know, looking at the report. So I called like three or four friends. Someone gave me a name. I said, no, that guy's not good enough. And then he just kind of said, Know, kind of off the cuff, he goes, there's a kid in the area who's pretty good. You uh, should take a look. And uh, his name was Tyler Kalinowski, Kalinowski uh, Kansas City. So I went out and saw him, and he wasn't he wasn't like a world-beater. you know. Just But he was our kind of guy, and coach went and saw him. Said, yeah, I think he's our kind of guy. And we just thought he'll be like a role guy, our kind of guy. Well, you know, I coached him his freshman year, and he was our kind of guy, nothing more. And also in his junior year, he's pretty damn good. And then as a senior, he's, they joined the A-10. He's player of the year in the conference. Um, So that was just again calling a friend Mm -hmm. and five years later all of a sudden it worked out about as well as it could work out. Um, And that was really lucky because I didn't know what I was doing but um, that's what recruiting is I think. And I think anyone that does it will tell you that.
0: What What is your favorite part kind of going along with recruiting? Where does recruiting rank on the list of things you enjoy about being a coach? Is it something that you've really come to enjoy or is it a an obvious part of the job that you, you have to that you have to be good at
1: I do really like it um I think during the season it's a lot harder because you know you're kind of just so locked into your season especially as the head coach you know getting practice ready and making sure your guys minds are right um so it's a little bit more difficult um I do enjoy it though uh in the off season I think it's I mean obviously it's our lifeblood so it's really important um So, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's just part of the job. And I do think you can easily say, well, 95% of my time on the phone is wasted. Uh, At times I've thought that, but really that 95%, even if you're not getting the kid, you're you're just practicing your trade, having those conversations, you know, knowing how to answer questions or how to sell your school or build relationships. So I don't see it as a waste anymore. It's just kind of part of the process
0: of getting better at it. So you had two different stints as an assistant at Davidson in the middle you were at was it the web school in Tennessee? Well, first I, you know I mentioned I wanted to live in Sweden, so after
1: two years at Davidson, I really liked it, but at the time, I just like kind of wanted to go back overseas, and at the I thought I'd go back over coach and just live there um, right before I left and met my wife. So she ended up, this all happened within like a few weeks, she ended up coming with me, so we were there a year and then you know it wasn't quite the plan for I was gonna, we were going to live in Sweden as two mm-hmm. Americans. So, uh, yeah, so we came back. I got a high school job in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, which was kind of full circle. My parents both went to UT, and so did my wife's parents. Okay. Uh, so we were living in Knoxville a couple years. And then, yeah, Davidson, um, You know, one of the coaches got a head job, and coach called me, and I ended up going back for three more.
0: At the the school in Knoxville, though, in addition to hoops, you're dean of students. I was, yeah. What was that experience like, and, and how I would imagine that – kind of helps you develop a skill set that maybe you didn't know you needed? It did. I I talk
1: to our team a lot about the lessons I learned as a dean of students. Um, And at the time, I just, you know, the first three months especially, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I had parents in my office because I was screwing up left and right. and um, So that was humbling, but also you learn pretty quickly. Um, So, yeah, a lot of the lessons I learned as dean, you know, just to kind of ask first and not, you know, assume and things like that have definitely (laughs) helped me as a coach. So this was a painful experience initially, <laughs> but also really the second year was great because of students, you know everybody, right? Um, and that was you're an advocate for the students, but also having relationships with them. Then it kind of um, by that second year, it, it um, you head off some problems before they happen, which I didn't know how to do that first year.
0: Was it a relatively small school? Or
1: yeah, I'd say yeah. Uh, you know, the nine through twelve where I was the upper school was I think like four fifty. Okay, so pretty good size. You know, to have uh, good relationships with the students and them with each
0: other how did you balance a day because you're coaching basketball but you have a job that constantly I would imagine you' you have to deal with fires and sometimes those fires break out at ten minutes before tip off
1: yeah and fortunately I didn't have a lot of those you know if it did I would come a little late to practice but that didn't happen a lot um, but I think generally the, I think the teachers really have it tough you know Dean of students I had some flexibility in my job to kind of be patrolling, be having some meetings. Um, but a lot of times like I could, you know, there's a little 15 minutes, 30 minutes I could sit down and, you know, get practice ready or talk to players. So it was it was actually a really good position to be a coach. I think, you know, as a teacher, you have so much prep for classes. You know, you're teaching five classes a day and you have prep periods. I mean, it would have been, I think, a lot harder. They
0: have the real uh, tough jobs. So you leave their second stint at Davidson. How is – how is it different going into that second stint than it was the first stint? Because you've obviously grown your, your, your skill set and your coaching experience.
1: Well, the biggest difference was Steph had just left. and left and left, you know People ask me all the time, did I coach Steph Curry? No, I was actually gone the three years he was there. <laughs> um, and when I came back, he was coming back as a senior. And a week after I said I was coming back, he declared for the draft. So that was a little painful. Um, because obviously you lose a guy like that, one of the best players in the world, and your team suffers. Right. The first year was pretty painful. Um, but then it, it was actually fulfilling because Steph, you know, the success when he was there and the guys with him, you know, that great group, um, then you get some good recruits. So my first year back we had a good freshman class, but they were freshmen. So we were learning. And But then by my third year we went back to the NCAA tournament, and those guys had progressed so much and grown so much. So um, really good group to work with for two and three years.
0: Yeah, I mean, Steph Curry – the, the Warriors, I mean, guys like that, they can, and I don't want to say change a program because it was a successful program, but the yeah. impact they have, not just the time they're there, is it's almost incalculable, but what it, how it can change things.
1: Yes. I mean, again, when he left the freshman class coming in, it was coming off, you know, the people recruited right after they went to the Elite Eight. So the class, I mean, it was kids, it was, uh, was JP Kuhlman and Nick Cochran, Jake uh, Cohen, and then a transfer, Clint Mann. I mean, this, that class was strong. For, for being in the Southern Conference at the time, and so um, that yeah, they just had to get some experience and learn. They did.
0: Now, even though you did, you develop any type of relationship with Steph as an assistant, even though you were there after him, or not
1: really. I mean, he would come around. I mean, I, I, you know, I see he come back to camp and play, and you know, so I mean, I know know him right. a little bit, but no, I, I'm not texting him now.
0: <laughs> I, so, second stint Davidson. Does there a point when you're like, I think I'm ready to take over my own program, or does the opportunity present itself? How does it come together?
1: Uh, Definitely the former came first, and I just, personality-wise, it's just kind of more suited to be a head coach. And I needed, we all need to learn as an assistant, and I was fortunate to learn as a player and as an assistant from Coach McKillop. But yeah, just ready to kind of do my own thing. And then, you know, at the time we had our, our first child, and then it becomes... I want to do my own thing, but where, mm-hmm. at what level? Um, and I thought about Division Three, and yes, fortunately, an opportunity came up and um, was lucky to get the job, and it's just been a really good fit.
0: How did you learn about it? Is there a, a <laughs> connection or something yeah. that, that led you to Swarthmore?
1: Yeah. You know, you talk about, I mentioned learning, not the cold call. As, you know, when you're a recruiter, I think it's the same getting jobs. I mean, I've gotten two jobs. My brother's gotten me two jobs, and it just happened to be where he was sick, And he went to the team doctor at Davidson, whose son played at Swarthmore, and he mentioned to him, he goes, uh, Carl, his his coach resigned yesterday. My brother, I had kind of talked to him with some of my thoughts, and so he called me right away and said, hey, just so you know, the Swarthmore coach resigned. I'd never heard of the school. Um, So I kind of did a little research, and I wrote the AD. And that that happened in December, so it was a bit of an odd time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just kind of got in a little early with the AD, and then I had Dr. Skip Barkley was Carl's dad, just, you know, as an advocate. And so there was a little bit of a connection early and then had to go through the process then in the spring. But, yeah, I mean, you find out about it, you know, not by if – you're finding out on a job ad you're it's already, to the game. Exactly. So I was fortunate in that regard.
0: When you learn about the program, it's a program that hadn't had a ton of success. Uh, what did you know about what you were walking into and what you were taking over?
1: You know, I, part of – you know, personality-wise, I liked that challenge. Um, I did think we would be able to be better. Um, it was humbling the first three years because, uh, you know, you think you're going to be a great coach, but um, you're losing a lot. And um, really thankful to the guys those first two years because I was not mature enough to do it well, um, but pushed them, and they, you know, took it and accepted it um, and and helped us get a little bit better. You know, we weren't great, but we were a little bit better, and they recruited – They were great kids. They just recruited the right kind of guys who then played as freshmen and learned. And then, you know, by the time year five, those guys are juniors and seniors.
0: Now we're ready to take the next step. So it's really just a process day by day. And that's the thing. Like, if you lay out your run, it really, you can see one season, the next season builds on the previous season, and it is a steady incline up. When is the first... Do you remember the first moment when you thought we've really got this going in the right direction and we could be on the brink of something really fun?
1: I don't think any one moment, but it was uh, I would say years three and four like year three was an enjoyable year to coach because we had we had a couple recruiting classes that were you know bought in and we struggled because they were freshmen and sophomores, but they were coachable and they wanted to learn. Um, so we went 11 and 14, but it was it was for the first time it was fun to coach. You know, it wasn't a struggle. It wasn't you know beating your head against the wall, or frustrating. So, um, and then in year four we weren't that talented, but those guys were sophomores and juniors, and then we had a senior class who I, we didn't recruit, but just three guys that were just like great team guys, great leaders. One of them is our assistant coach now, Shane Leffler. Um, and we just we, we won 22 games, so we went from 11 wins to 22, and we lost in the conference championship. And you I, know I wouldn't go back and want to win that conference championship. We needed that was the next step for us was to lose and to learn and have some um, motivation to get get back and do better the next year. So that's kind of I'd say between years three and four is when it kind of took off. We thought, hey, what we're doing is working.
0: We have to take a break now on on one-on-one. We will have more with Swarthmore men's basketball coach Landry Kosmolsky right after this. It's the smart look at the issues catching
1: fire in Philadelphia. Flashpoint. What we have is a crisis. This goes way beyond just the perpetrator. You know how many times I had stopped people in front of my house from shooting up? It was a moment where black and brown people on the margins got to say, no, we've been hurting.
0: I think we forget that you came from somewhere else, too. Host Cherry Gregg walks you through the flames on air Saturday evenings at 930 and Sunday mornings at 830. Or search the Flashpoint podcast on the Radio.com app. And we are back here on one-on-one, our guest this week, Swarthmore men's basketball coach Landry Kozmowski. So the you've made the NCAA tournament the last three years. So the first time you get into the NCAA tournament, I guess that's 16-17, if my math is I think that's correct. right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Uh, and you get in, and if I remember correctly, you guys hosted, you know, the way Double Division 3 does it back-to-back, and uh, so you host the first round. What was, what's that ride like? Because there's never anything like the first time a group gets in. It's the first time the program's going to the NCAA tournament, obviously first under your watch. What was that ride like when that comes to fruition becomes a reality?
1: Well, you know, as I mentioned, as a player going to the NCAA tournament, uh, now we were in the, the Georgia Dome, so right. that was different. But, you know, walking into the gym is just awesome. And the the electricity, even in our gym at Swatham, which is smaller But, like, everyone's excited. You know, it's a different level. It's a different situation, atmosphere. Um, So it was really fun. And, you know, there's a game before ours, and we were kind of ready to go. And we played, um, I think it was Staten Island. Mm -hmm. And our guys were just like, you know, we're not just happy to be here. We want to keep doing well. And so uh, we just had had a great game, great crowd, and it was just a really fun night. Um, And one of the things about hosting, we were fortunate to host. We weren't in the top 25 or anything. But we hosted because Christopher Newport – couldn't host because the women were hosting. Right. So that it's like, congratulations you're hosting, but the second ranked team of the country is coming to your place. So <laughs> that next day we played them and it was we we played well. They were just really good. And we lost I think by like 10, but good experience again, it was the next step for us. Um, so it was a it was a really positive first
0: experience. How did that change the game that year? It's a positive experience, but how does that change expectations how does that change the way people look at the program is that kind of a I don't know if watershed years right but the you know all of a sudden now you're a regional power and how does that change the dynamic well
1: I don't think going to the NCAA tournament made us a regional power I think it was kind of you know hey now we got to take the next step we want to keep getting better and um, so I think our guys liked that experience, and we had a really good senior class coming back, and uh, we now we had some young guys coming in, and so it was. I think the expectations are all external. You know, it's like, hey, here's what fans and parents think, and we talk a lot about um, combating that and just saying, what do we want? You know, what do we want to do this year with this group? And um, so the next year, again, great senior leaders, and we just kind of took the next step. It was, hey, let's get better. And I remember that was a great experience, and I think a lot of the Programs that have had su- sustained success can tell you all of a sudden everyone's circling your game, right? And you know, at first we were like, "This sucks." I mean, <laughs> this is every game is like so hard and so mentally and physically draining. It's hard for our players, even as coaches. Though you're just like everyone's throwing new stuff at you, and it's you think it's going to be easy, and it's actually harder. Um, and it, I would say it took us like eight or nine games, and we said, "Hey, let's let's embrace that. Like it just makes us better. Let's not fight it. It's just part of it." Um, And that is when we kind of took off. You know, it's like, hey, we're getting everyone's best shot, but let's just keep uh, using that as a positive. Um, And so I think since that time, which would have been like, you know, December 2017, two years ago, we Mm -hmm. kind of embraced
0: that. And I think that mentality has helped us. So you go to the Elite Eight that year. Yeah, uh, Another uh, fantastic run. So then coming into last season, the 18-19 season, I don't know that anyone says, you know, I think we have a chance to go to a national championship game. But what is, you start practice, you know, in the fall. What do you think?
1: Well, one of the things you learn over time is those expectations um, of saying, hey, let's hope we just start where we were in March. That's just not reality. You were where you were in March because you've been practicing for five or six months. So I think initially we were frustrated. Uh, You know, we questioned our leadership. I had to sit down with our captains because I hadn't prepared them well enough. Um, so those first two or three weeks, I think were a little bit, um, uh, there's a little bit of friction there and a little bit of frustration. Then we kind of figured it out and we said, hey, here's what we need from our leadership. Here's what we need as a coaching staff with our expectations. And, you know, at the time, we, this is really silly, but we just put something in the locker room and I, I brought, I stole my kids Legos from home and just said, hey, we're just like building this. Like, let's just put the foundation together and we're going to build a, a house you know and so we had this big box of legos in there and just every day they'd add one or two and so it just kind of kept us like hey look we're not supposed to be great yet we're not gonna be elite eight we're just getting better um so i once we did that we were a little better off and we had some early season setbacks last year we lost two games in a row two games in three days at the buzzer um and so we were instead of being six and we were four and two and but then again just kind of got past that and were able to
0: go on a bit of a run did that, you think, in retrospect, that those losses help?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we knew, it's painful as they were. We said in the locker room after, like, hey, th- there's a reason this is happening and we just got to learn from them and um, it'll make
0: us better. Do you remember the point last season when you kind of maybe look at your assistants and you're like, all right, we, we're rolling downhill now. We're going to be we're going to be a yeah. tough out from here on out.
1: Yeah, and it's uh it was very it was a small moment, but I, it was in practice and um <laughs> two two of our wings are running on the same side and they're supposed to be on different sides and usually when that happens the guy in the back says go through and I start yelling it out and before I do the guy says it. And I turned to system and I was like, I, "They don't need us to tell them these things, you know. They're just doing it." You know, the guys who were playing, the nine guys were just like they were all on the same page. We were clicking. And I said, I'm just going to you know, shut the hell up, and they're doing this. And so um, – and that was probably like you know, February 10th. I mean, it wasn't early. It was late, mm-hmm. but it was this point where they just were all on the same page. And yeah, it was, then it was kind of like they're going to – we may have a chance.
0: So you win the conference, go to the NCAA tournament again. Uh, I think you – what was it? You opened with Mitchell in the, in the tournament last year. So how are you feeling – Going into the term, you talk about how you know that you're going to be tough. You know, uh, NCAA tournament starting third straight year. You've won a game, at least one game in the first two appearances. How are you? How do you feel going in?
1: Uh, you know, we we just stress taking it day by day. I do think that was a good learning experience because we had MIT was coming to our place, and I think even as coaches, we wanted to play against MIT, and you don't want to look ahead, and that was dangerous. And we didn't play Mitchell very well. We were definitely looking ahead, and it was a lesson. We talked about it after the game. We weren't happy. I wasn't happy with them. They weren't happy with themselves. Um, but, you know, MIT is a school we recruit against, and it's a school that some of them, you know, thought about going to, and so it was kind of just an exciting time. So we used that, you know, kind of uh, challenging or difficult Friday night game, and we just kind of used it for some motivation for Saturday and then you know that game is the best game we've played since I've been at Swarthmore. So, um, and then again, as I had seen on February tenth or whatever it was in practice, I thought, hey, we're we're kind of rolling. So we you know we beat MIT by forty.
0: Yeah, now you made like what twenty seven of your first twenty nine shots or something absurd like that. We made
1: 13 threes in a row. And yeah, broke a record. So yeah, we were just kind of in a in a zone as a team. Um, and then yeah, then we go to the next weekend, um, which uh, now I'm blanking on where we were. Oh, we went up to Amherst. Yeah and played, uh, yeah, two just tight games. You know, we won by one, at the, the end on both of them, which is the way it should be that second weekend. Um, and yeah, so then we were in the Final Four, so we were you know, just kind of... Uh, but again, I think staying pretty grounded and wanting to stick to what we wanted to do and not what other people were hoping or wanting us to do.
0: How much had the experience of the past couple of years, and even at the Division I level, though, your experience in NCAA tournaments, how much does that help? You mentioned keep grounded, but... Hey, you guys have been here. This is what it's like work. We're, we're going to be fine.
1: Oh uh, yeah, if you have NCAA experience, you know, we had guys that have been 2 years in a row or yeah, so that's definitely, you know, invaluable. Um but I but I think just going up there and again kind of staying day by day and having everyone bought into that is really the most important thing. And I will say it's even different at our level because the inside tournament division 1 is, you know, Thursday, Saturday or Friday, mm-hmm. Sunday. Going Friday, Saturday is a, a different mental game. I've had to learn that as a coach, you know, you don't, it's not, you're not doing what you'd normally do during the season. It becomes, you know, you throw a lot of the scouting out of the window and it's about us and not a lot of prep because you don't want to overload. And um, So yeah, it's just different on how to handle it. And fortunately I've learned how to do that better. And we have as a staff over the last three to four years.
0: So you go to the final four. What is the week like leading up to the final four? As far as attention, media attention, texts, emails—you know, things pulling on your time—that takes away from the routine of coaching basketball and, and such like that.
1: Well, fortunately, at our level, there's not a, you know, a ton of media stuff that's a distraction. Um, I think the excitement in and of itself is um, something you got to tackle head on. But but I, you know, more of the distraction is just the preparation. You know, when are our flights going to be? Where yeah. are we staying? And what are our meals and and that's you, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, have help, and we have people helping me with that. But you still have to make the decisions and let them know how many people are going, and you know what kind of hotel you want, or when you want to eat. And it's just uh, I a, mean, not complaining. It's part of it, but it's definitely like you don't want to, you want to just keep doing what you've been doing, right? And you can't. Um, but but that's part of it. So we just uh, you know we figured out how to handle that and try to be as stress free as possible. I mean, you know, I think as all coaches will tell your family takes a little bit of a hit. Those weeks, because you just have to be there a little more to do those extra things. So you know you got to have that support system in place at home too.
0: Do you allow yourself to think? we two wins from winning a national championship.
1: You know that's where the distractions are. Good, you really can't think. You really just like all you have time to prep for is getting all these logistical things set up, and then your next opponent, and don't really have time to think about it. Um, maybe the players do. I don't know, but I think everyone deals with that at every level. You know, it's like, hey, this is what we've been working for our whole lives, and um, we have a chance. But again, we we kind of we just have a thing in our program. We usually just talk about that stuff really directly. Here's what people want us to think. Here's what we want to think, and here's what you know our values and standards and purpose are. And let's just stick to those because it's worked. And so, um, as long as we all buy into that, we're usually um, usually. On the same page, and usually keep doing what we're doing, which is the most important thing.
0: So you beat Christopher Newport to go to the national championship game. What is the locker room like after that win?
1: Uh, I mean, excited. I mean, obviously excited. Um, you know, I would say tempered, though. You know, knowing that we have another day and we got to prepare pretty quickly. But yeah, it was excitement. I think the excitement was. You know, there's all these. Um, this is a different stage and there's all these expectations supposedly and we were just really true to ourselves and you know stuck together and we didn't uh, let any of the distractions affect us we just played and like the way we wanted to play and and we were who we were um so that was the i think we're just like really excited that we were able to do that together on that stage
0: so wisconsin oshkosh for the title game what do you know about them going in
1: uh, not much. I mean, no, they're really good. You know, I get to watch them after our game. They're obviously really talented. Um, I think I think the, the greatest lesson is you just, you know, I stayed up really late, you know, watching film, trying to plan, and, and the reality is I'd do it a lot differently because there's just so little you can do in that time. Um, so I think you need to have, you know, two or three things like, hey, here's our ball screen D, and we need to rebound and watch out for them doing this on D and let's go play. Um, But that's not typically the way we do things. So it's kind of hard to let go of some of the preparation. So um, they were tough to prep for. I mean, they had a lot of seniors. They had size. I mean, they were just really good. Um, So, but I think that, again, the greatest takeaway was we would do it prep a little differently if we could.
0: And you guys were constantly climbing uphill in the title game. You got down and you would fire back, but that's a tough way. It's a, tough hill to climb because eventually you're going to run out of gas because you're fighting so hard to get out of holes.
1: Yeah, and I, I could I felt in the first two minutes, you know, they went 8-0 to start the game. Actually, 11-0 but 8-0, we call the timeout. They, um, they they were in the title game year four. And you could see that experience and that urgency the whole year to get back. Like, that's how they started the game. And our guys, not we weren't playing badly. They were just older guys who were desperate because of what happened year four. And um, we just didn't really have an answer for that to start, but yeah, we did battle back. But yeah, you're playing from behind, so you you know you get to a certain point, but you you hit a wall, and then you have to do it again. And so yeah, we kind of dug ourselves a
0: hole to start. So what is the the locker room like after you lose the title game? There's just such a finality. It's that's one of the yeah. it's one of the things that's great about NCAA tournaments is the the emotion of the moment, but when it's done, it's done like that. So what was it like? Because just uh, the whole ride just comes to a halt.
1: You know, we were really proud. I mean, our guys, you know, played through the buzzer. We were, again, we tried to stay true to who we are, you know, in our culture and, uh, you know, weren't hanging our heads, didn't, you know, quit early and we played through the buzzer. So, you know, you come in the locker room and we knew we had uh, represented who we want to be. Um, didn't get the results. So uh, guys had their heads I mean, there was some tears. You know, it's hard. Obviously, you know, having two seniors, that their careers are over, that's a little tough for everyone. But overall, I think we were pretty proud of um, what we did, disappointed in the result, but um, not uh, depressed. um, But because we thought we – I was going to say did what we set out to do, but that's not the right way to phrase it. I would say more like we – Stay true to who we are, which we talk about a lot. So I think overall, it's pride.
0: Does life change after an appearance in the national championship game as far as phone calls, recruiting, getting called maybe to do different types of camps that maybe weren't any doors opening that maybe hadn't opened prior?
1: You know, that's one of the things I like about our level. It's, you know, not too much. I mean, a little bit. I think there are people, you know, being the head coach, I think sometimes people do want a little more of your time. Um, no offense to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but overall, no. I mean, you know, Coach McKillop had this great quote when they went to the Elite Eight and he said, you know, he said, what's going to change for Davidson? Someone asked him and he said, you know, we're not going to be getting those little stools to sit on at timeouts. Um, that's just not who Davidson is. And there's nothing wrong with those, but we're just not going to, like, you know, have all the bells and whistles suddenly because we did this run. We're going to Stay true to who we are. So, I, you know, we haven't changed a lot. Um, and we said our first meeting this year is like, hey, this is a different team, a different journey. Let's make it the best we can. And it's not a continuation of last year or looking ahead to next year. It's There's a group of guys together, and let's see what we can do.
0: And you've been – you were preseason number one in Division Three, and you've been number one throughout – you welcome that? Do you not pay heck of a lot of attention to it? Is it, hey, that's nice, and we move on? How do you handle it?
1: Yeah, I don't pay a lot of attention to it. I, I did think initially like that was a little undeserved, and not to take anything away from our guys. But we just, on the whole, have a little bit of a young team. We have two seniors that have been playing for four years that are great leaders. They're, they're big guys, so that helps. Um, but generally, uh, playing a lot of young guys, and, and we just said you know internally, like hey, we're just trying to get a little better. Um, so we're not going to let the... Um, Ranking affect us now. It does affect you a little bit because everyone again is circling.
0: Everybody knows when you're coming to town.
1: Yep, you, to you got the target on your back, so you have to prepare for that. And so you know, we say, hey, let's not uh, rise to the occasion. Let's sink to the level of our training. And that's you know, so we just got to do it every day. And our guys have been very mature about doing that and staying focused on just getting better and not doing things other people want us to do.
0: What is your favorite part? Of coaching, overall,
1: I would say my favorite and least favorite are the same. It's it's the sacrifice and the discipline, you, need, you know, every day to do it well. So that's very tiring and at times exhausting. Um, but also, like, there's nothing better than. And I told our team this the other day. You know, going in on a Sunday morning, and you know, when the building is empty, and you're watching film and of your team from the day before, just trying to get better because you're going to practice at one o'clock that day. You know, and you. So, again, family has to support you because that's a little bit odd to be gone at Sunday at 5.30 a.m. But um, overall, like you know you're doing it when other people aren't and you're prepping to just try to help your team be better. Um, and our guys are coming in when their uh, classmates are probably sleeping or sitting out on the lawn and enjoying the sun. So um, that kind of sacrifice
0: is um, fun, albeit wearying. <laughs> Do you ever take a step back and I don't know if Marvel's, but you've had, you've done an incredible job with this program from where it was the year before to now and just kind of like, wow, this, this is something what we've accomplished here. I know there's still work to be done, but it, this is something.
1: Um, well, thank you first. Um, but no, I don't. And my wife would like me to, uh, she <laughs> reminds me that often. Um, but i really, I think just it's it, if you're even the slightest bit content, I think it's just kind of i don't know I think it can send you down a mental path that can be a distraction, so uh we just want to you know it sounds so boring, but you know just keep improving a little bit and keep getting a little bit better and that is exciting um so just like doing it and also know from previous experience as a player and coach like as soon as you get content, you know, you're just going to get your ass kicked and then you're just back to being a normal person. So, um, we just want to, we just got to hustle every
0: day. Landry Kozumowski. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. And that will do it for this week's show. One-on-one on one is an original sports podcast from KYW News Radio. If you like this show and want to help us out, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. You can help more people find out about the podcast by finding the show on Apple Podcasts and leading a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter, at one-on-one on one pod, and you can follow me on Twitter as well, at MattLeon1060. Many thanks to Swarthmore College men's basketball coach Landry Kosmolski for joining us this week. My name is Matt Leon. Come back next week for another good conversation with someone you should know more about.